until we learned to properly navigate our way across the oceans. Early explorers were fearful to lose sight of land in case they'd be lost at sea. They learned to use the water currents, winds, movements of birds, and of course, the positions of the sun, the moon, and the stars to find their way across the seas to distant lands. As we learned to launch spacecraft into orbit and out into the solar system, mission planners needed to develop entirely new methods of navigation. In today's episode, we're going to talk about how navigation in space works. How did the missions to the moon find their way so accurately? How's it done today? And what are some clever ideas for the future of space navigation? Now, before I go into space navigation, I'd like to talk about regular navigation here on Earth. Your phone is equipped with a navigation system, of course, the Global Positioning System. This is a system of satellites surrounding the Earth at an altitude of 20,000 kilometers. There's always a handful of satellites in view of your phone, and these satellites are constantly broadcasting their position and the current time. From these signals, your phone calculates its current location on Earth. Before GPS, navigation was much more difficult, but the main method used for centuries was to use the stars as a guide, celestial navigation. Imagine the Earth in space with the stars in a vast sphere around it. At any point, there's a star directly overhead any part of the Earth. And if the Earth wasn't turning and you wanted to go to a spot on Earth, all you'd have to do is sail until that star was directly above you. Of course, the Earth is turning, so it gets a little tougher. As long as you know exactly what time it is and can measure the angle to various stars, you can calculate your position on the Earth. And sailors used a tool called a sextant, which allows you to measure the angle between a star and the horizon. For your north-south navigation, or latitude, all you need to do is measure the angle to the North Star, Polaris. When Polaris is directly overhead, you're on the North Pole. When it's right on the horizon, you're at the equator. And there's a similar situation when you're headed to the South Pole. To measure east-west is a little tougher, as the Earth turns, noon is overhead in a different spot on Earth every moment. When it's noon for you, you just have to compare your time with the prime meridian, an imaginary line running through Greenwich, England, and that'll tell you how far east or west you are. Learning celestial navigation isn't that difficult, and it's actually pretty fun once you learn to do it. And if you're ever stuck without your GPS, you'll have a way to sail your ship at sea. Now, let's talk about how those systems have been adapted for the purposes of spaceflight. Spacecraft navigation is largely handled here on the ground. Radio dishes on Earth monitor the position and velocity of spacecraft and then upload commands if they need to maneuver themselves into a new orbit. But once you want to leave Earth, things get more complicated. For the Apollo missions to the moon, NASA developed the Apollo Guidance Computer, which was a computer a little bigger than a modern desktop PC. There's one in the command module, and then another one in the lunar module. The vast majority of the navigation for the mission was done from mission control on Earth, which was constantly tracking the position and orbits of the Apollo spacecraft. But as a backup, the astronauts used a space sextant to compare the positions of the stars to the horizons of the Earth and Moon to make sure the navigational calculations done from Earth were correct. It took the astronauts about 10,500 keystrokes over the course of a lunar mission to input their navigation data, and it was often referred to as the fourth crew member. 
The astronauts could input navigational information like the positions of stars and then calculate trajectories and maneuver angles. It's amazing to think that the astronauts who flew to the moon used a similar navigation tool to what sailors here on Earth have been using for centuries, even in space. It's all just geometry. Of course, your wristwatch is probably more powerful than the Apollo guidance computer. But what if you want to go deeper into the solar system? In order to properly navigate across the solar system, you need to know where the spacecraft is, where you are, have an accurate map of the solar system, and know where your spacecraft is going. NASA spacecraft use the Deep Space Network, which is an array of giant radio antennas positioned around the world. There are three main facilities in the Deep Space Network. Madrid, Spain, Goldstone in California, and Canberra, Australia. With these three main instruments, NASA can communicate with any probe across the solar system. As the Earth rotates, a spacecraft will fall below the field of view from one antenna, but another can pick up the signal. In addition to sending instructions to spacecraft as well as retrieving data and photographs, the antennas of the Deep Space Network help with their navigation. As signals go to and from the probes, they experience a frequency shift. Computers can then calculate velocity and distance to the spacecraft based on this frequency shift and the time it takes for the signals to make a return journey. By comparing its locations to a static map of the stars in the sky, astronomers calculate where it is and how fast it's going. The more measurements they make, the more accurate their calculations. Then they can compare these measurements to a known map of the orbits in all the objects in the solar system to know where a spacecraft is with amazing accuracy. This navigation technique has enabled landings on other worlds and precise gravitational slingshot maneuvers from millions of kilometers away. At the JPL Solar Dynamics website, you can download highly accurate solar system maps, which give the current position and motion of 780,000 asteroids, 3,525 comets, eight planets, 178 moons, dwarf planets, the sun, and a few spacecraft. The key to accurate navigation is to have an accurate clock. Your GPS is the most accurate when it knows exactly what time it is, down to about two nanoseconds, or the amount of time it takes for light to travel half a meter. NASA is working on the most accurate clock that will ever fly to space. It's called the Deep Space Atomic Clock. Right now, spacecraft rely on a ground signal to give them an accurate time signal. But if the spacecraft loses contact with Earth or runs out of navigation commands, there isn't much you can do but wait. Normal atomic clocks are the size of a refrigerator. But the Deep Space Atomic Clock is only the size of a toaster and uses a mercury ion trap to achieve an accuracy of down to 0.3 nanoseconds lost over a day. In fact, this clock will be about 50 times more accurate than the most accurate GPS clocks already in space. Future missions could be equipped with these atomic clocks to make sure they always know what time it is, even when they're far away from Earth. That's how spacecraft navigate through the solar system right now, but there's a better way, pulsars. And I'll get to that in a second, but first I'd like to thank Steve Wolfhope, Katrina Ince, Eddie Kuhn, Scott Bragdon, and the rest of our 836 patrons for their generous support. If you love what we're doing, you wanna get in on the action, head over to patreon.com slash universe today. 
Earlier this year, NASA announced that they had successfully tested out a new technique that might completely change the way we'll navigate through space in the future by using pulsars. Pulsars, of course, are the rapidly spinning neutron stars left over from supernova explosions. And these pulsars can spin hundreds of times a second, putting out powerful radio waves. As the pulsars spin, the radio signals sweep past the Earth in absolutely precise intervals, which can be used for high-precision timing signals, similar to how GPS navigation works. Engineers at NASA developed a clever experiment that uses these pulsar signals to figure out the precise position of the International Space Station. It's called the Station Explorer for X-ray Timing and Navigation Technology, or SEXTANT. Okay, that's definitely a backronym. The technology demonstration used the 52 X-ray detectors and silicon drift detectors on an experiment attached to the station called the Neutron Star Interior Composition Explorer, or NICER. This experiment is being used to study the internal structures of neutron stars, and especially pulsars, but the Sextant team was able to borrow it to do an amazing proof of concept. In 2017, they focused NICER on four well-known millisecond pulsars and gathered 78 measurements of radio signals from the pulsars. Then, an onboard computer calculated all these signals together to figure out precisely where the International Space Station was with respect to the pulsars. Within eight hours of observations, they were able to target the station's location within 16 kilometers and at times within five kilometers of its position compared to GPS signals, all while the station was hurtling at 28,000 kilometers per hour. In theory, attaching one of these nicer instruments to any spacecraft, it would then be able to know precisely where it is in the solar system at all times. Spacecraft could navigate themselves around the moons of Jupiter or deep in the Kuiper Belt without needing precise updates from NASA, always knowing exactly where they are in the solar system. In theory, they could navigate themselves to nearby stars. And of course, if more pulsars were mapped out across the galaxy and a timing system was integrated together, you could imagine a future version of this technology allowing spacecraft to find their way across the entire Milky Way just download the pulsar maps for the region of the Milky Way that you want to visit. It's a pretty cool idea. So what do you think? Let me know your thoughts in the comments. And I'm always looking for new topics to cover here in the Guide to Space. So if you have any ideas for episodes, I'd love to hear them. Once a week, I gather up all my space news into a single email newsletter and send it out. It's got pictures, brief highlights about the story, and links so you can find out more. Go to universetoday.com newsletter to sign up. And all of my videos are also available in handy audio and video podcast formats so you can have our latest episodes show up right on your audio device. Go to universetoday.com audio or universetoday.com video to get the one you want. And I'll put links in the show notes. Finally, here's a playlist.